what sports betting would ultimately do is it would lead to a convergence of multiple components of the sports landscape. And so in that context, what we saw was that sports betting would quite literally lead to a convergence of, of media and, and leagues and teams and the fan experience. And sports betting would likely sit at the center of it. Hey, this is Jesse here, and thanks for checking out episode 21 of the Betting Startups podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Dan Healy from Pickup, which is a platform that transforms sports content into interactive experiences that help build fan communities. In this episode, Dan explains how 100% of sports fans have an opinion, yet only 20% of them are backing those opinions with bets, and how Pickup is engaging those other 80% in a unique and creative way. He also talks about his experience participating in the NFT ecosystem, which he believes will play a massive part in the sports betting landscape in the future. Dan was an awesome guest, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a future guest, let us know by DM on our Twitter, at Betting Startups. Now, on to the show. All right, we are back with episode 21 of the Betting Startups podcast. And with me today is Dan Healy, co-founder and CEO of Pickup. Dan, how are you doing? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. Thanks so much for making the time. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Appreciate you joining. Looking forward to getting into it today. But maybe just to kick off, wondering if you can give the folks listening just a little bit of a background on yourself and maybe some of the major chapters of your career up until the co-founding of Pickup. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll keep it short, but start it kind of the most relevant beginning. So I, I started my first company when I was in college. I went to the Ohio State University and I created a, a, an online food ordering company there. Uh, it was funny. It was 2005. It was my first year at school and just recognizing that people would be on their computers and then reading menus and calling in didn't make a whole lot of sense. So we uh, spun up a, a company that, that kind of facilitated the ordering and had a lot of fun, learned a lot. That was basically my college career. Came back to New York, worked at an awesome early stage fintech company. Uh, it was a place called On Deck Capital. I kind of worked between the product and marketing groups. You know, On Deck was there right after the, uh, the recession in 08, 09, and they were, they were getting financing to, to Main Street. And again, so that was, that was really just building tech in, in an emerging market, right? Using the tools that were out there to facilitate a, a need for, for, uh, for customers. And that was an awesome experience. And then uh, a couple of friends of mine, this guy, Bill Bakamami and, and, and Eric Weber, they came to me and they, they told me they were building mobile applications and mobile applications in 2010 were new <laughs> and it dates me, there's no doubt. But we basically had a conversation. They were moving to this area called Dumbo, Brooklyn, which back then wasn't a whole heck of a lot. Today it is. And they, you know, we, we recognized that if we could build mobile apps for companies that drove revenue, right? Think about anything from uh, retail to health and wellness, fintech, et cetera. Uh, then maybe we could compete with some of these big agencies that were trying to encroach in the market. And so we did, we, we focused on that. We built the first iteration of Rent the Runway, Lululemon, which is up in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, and then ended up building everything from SoulCycle and TB12 to Abercrombie, Gap, Sephora, American Express, et cetera. And we ended up growing it to about 130 people across Brooklyn, San Francisco, and Durham, North Carolina. And then in 2019, we sold the, the company to WeWork in an aqua hire as they intended to go public. And I had started Pickup right around that time. And so, you know, I know we can go into, into more about what Pickup is, but um, Pickup came out of, you know, the repeal of PASPA. And when, when that law was repealed and all of a sudden it was clear that sports betting was going to, to play a factor in the market, uh, the sports market in the U.S., you know, that that to me was another kind of moment of like, okay, here's something new in in a a space that I love, that I'm intrigued by, um, that I've kind of grown up around, and and so we we started we started pick up at that point. 
That's awesome, Ben. I appreciate the backstory and obviously a deep catalog of experience with consumer tech. Um, I'm just curious, you know, you talked about the repeal of PASPA, which obviously sort of uh, was a genesis of what is now Pickup. As you were looking at the landscape at that time, and particularly coming out of this consumer tech space with some of the brands you'd mentioned, some of the stuff you'd been working on, what was it about the overall sports betting landscape that compelled you to take a look inside of it? And then again, ultimately find something to to take to market in that uh, industry. What was it about sports betting that really drew you in at the very beginning? Yeah, well, I think one thing is that I'd always kind of been around sports betting in a passive way and it had always enhanced the fan experience for me. But I also kind of looked at the fact that sports betting, you know, it's got, there, there's dangers associated with it. And and my hope is, is was, and, and still is today that sports betting becomes a, a way to, to engage with the sports teams, leagues, players you love and, and, and not necessarily the downside. What I saw, there were a couple of parallels. First thing I saw is this was going to be a new revenue stream for a lot of companies, not terribly dissimilar to what mobile was when, when it first got started, but as it is today. The second thing that I saw was that what sports betting would ultimately do is it would lead to a convergence of multiple components of the sports landscape. And so in that context, what we saw was that sports betting would quite literally lead to a convergence of, of media and, and leagues and teams and the fan experience. And sports betting would likely sit at the center of it because it's a it's a commercial opportunity but it opens up so many different doors and so that that's what drew us into it that's what we saw awesome well let's segue a little bit into pickup and again you sort of touched upon the origin story but when did it start and and why did you start it which again you sort of touched upon already um and and you know what you guys are doing now sort of three and a half four years in or whatever the timeline is is what you're doing now what you thought it would be at the beginning right so rewind back to the original founding time you know was was the thesis you had at the time still holding up now so funny. So often I'll like look at the the initial fundraise deck, right? And I'll yeah. reflect on on how how accurate that vision was uh, or was not. So there, there there are a lot of components of what we were doing at that time that we are still doing today. And it was based on the fact that, you know, 20% of fans bet on sports, 100% of fans have an opinion. So how do you lean into how do you lean into the the opinion component, right? How do you use that as an entry point? for fans to, to be able to engage with content, kind of getting into, to what pickup is or, or, or kind of like what it was, why don't we start there? Sure. Uh, initially we created a, a mobile application and you know, that's what we knew how to do. It was really easy. It was something that was super like natural for us. And so the mobile app essentially allowed people to engage specifically with Cleveland sports. So we spun it up around the all-star game in 2019. You'd come in every day. There would be five different questions. You answered three of those questions. If you got three of those questions right, you got a super bonus, which could also be portrayed as a parlay, right? Sure. Um, what we saw and what we knew was that building a mobile application, especially a free-to-play game, and trying to compete with the likes of FanDuel or DraftKings or, or anybody that was coming up at that time and, and promoting a mobile app was a lost cause. And instead, what we decided to do was we decided to build this platform that allowed our partners, really the, the businesses that we were working with, publishers, the, the media companies, the leagues, et cetera, to use this, this database that we've created. And what the, you know, the database does is it taps into Reddit conversations and it taps into Discord and it taps into Twitter and it surfaces the most relevant conversations around topics to create interactive content on audio, video, uh, or, or specifically in, in editorial. And then in the process, it acquires that user's phone number. Uh, when we get that user's phone number, again, I, as you mentioned, like I've always focused on consumer tech. 
we then need to provide value to that user. So we let them know when the game they made a pick on is about to start or send them through to, to the media company to watch it, right? Or if they made a pick on a driver in NASCAR, we let them know where he sits in the power rankings this week and whether he moved up or down and what he might do next week. And so the, the evolution really, it, it started intentionally as a consumer product so we could understand the pain points and what the user goals needed to be. And it's transitioned into this, this kind of B2B platform that takes user goals from the beginning and then pairs business goals uh, with those in order to, to really hit on some of the pains of our partners. That's awesome. Can you give us a couple of tangible examples, maybe some of the publishers that have integrated the platform and some of the types of content that they're generating to their audience with the platform? Yeah. So there's a couple of really good ones. You know, one of, one of our earliest partners and one that we've worked with for a very long time is USA Today Media Group. And the reason that it made so much sense to work with them is because they've got all of these individual regional wires, right? So uh, the, the wires don't hone in necessarily on broad fan topics. They instead lean into uh, very team specific or college specific type questions. Uh, so if you go to, you know, any, it's a, it's a great day for it because it's draft day, right? But if you go to any of the the USA Today wires today, you're going to see listicles and those listicles are essentially content they've created around the props that, that are embedded. And so, you know, how many, uh, how many guys from, from Georgia are going to go in on day two, right? Like that'll be a question there. Will a running back be selected? So you'll, you'll literally see whatever that, that Georgia fandom is talking about today as it relates to where those guys go and who goes where you'll see that it's this, it's reflected in the same way, which is interesting on the pro sites. So on Bengals wire or on Jets wire or whatever it might be, right? The, the same question, will they, will they draft X guy from Georgia, right? That's the same question. You're grabbing that fan sentiment data from two very different demos, but it's around the exact same topic. And we've got that really unique data that is telling us, you know, these people that are focused on Georgia care about the exact same thing at this moment as these people in New York, New Jersey that are focused on the Jets. So that's, that's one publisher example from a league example. I mean, one of our best partners is NASCAR. So NASCAR is making a really conscious effort to uh, utilize sports betting to grow the sport. And they're doing a heck of a job. The team over there is unbelievable. And what we've been able to do is we've been able to put out these, uh, these, these props on their power rankings. So every week, you know, they'll list the, the top 10 guys and there's going to be questions around, you know, will Joey Logano move up to the top five this week? You know, will Kyle Busch move down that sort of thing? And then after the race, what we're doing is we're actually sending a, an SMS out to the NASCAR community, asking them who they think the winner of that race should match up against next week, right? Users make a pick on it. They either directly respond to the SMS, which is aggregated, or they make a pick on the prop. And then that data is sent back to a data provider who spins up a market based on that fan sentiment data, which is then scoured out to the books and it's served up. And so we're quite literally asking people, what do you care about? Like, what do you want to see? And, and we're doing it in a way that's like so non-intrusive. You just sort of touched upon the question I was going to ask. I mean, you've given us some examples from the publisher side, obviously the league side with NASCAR and the success they're having with it. Uh, but from a sports betting perspective, and lest I forget the name of the podcast, the betting startups podcast, but from a betting perspective, you know, what are some of the other use cases for the platform and where are you at insofar as the traction within sort of the sports betting context? There's three ways that we think about it. One, we think about how can fan sentiment data power more accurate markets based on location, meaning how can we figure out what people care about in a very low barrier, non-intrusive way in certain demographics, because we're gathering location information on very 
hyper-specific content, right? And then how can the data providers use that to create better markets or how can the operators use that to create better markets? That's awesome. And that's what you need to do if you're going to provide value to the sports better. It's got to be as personalized as it can be. And starting in a regional or fandom way is a really intriguing way to do that. The second is quite literally acquisition, right? By, by driving people back to betting adjacent content, the, the, the idea behind that is you're sending somebody to a, an article that has offers, that has relevant wagers, that's showing live odds and spreads that's served up by, you know, somebody else in the space or directly by the books, or in some cases us. And because you're putting that user in that environment to learn, to understand, to read, to watch, to listen, then there's a higher chance that they're going to, to place a wager. And that, that helps a ton on the, on the acquisition side. And then the third is loyalty and engagement. So, you know, you're in this space, you spend a lot of time talking to people in this space. And as we all know, right, the first frontier is fought across acquisition. You're seeing it again right now up in Canada, right? And you're mm-hmm. seeing across some of the new states. Uh, you'll see it in Texas, hopefully when that goes live, Florida, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the ultimate war is going to be won as it relates to loyalty. And um, loyalty starts with a high quality product with really good you know, offerings and, and strong markets and all of that stuff. But it's also relevancy and personalization. So how, how can you continue to show up as part of that fan's experience? And we're doing that in some intriguing ways. Uh, one is, is definitely through just the, the, you know, the SMS contextual content that we're sending people, but we've also created tools that make the fans themselves, the distribution channel. So, you know, that's always kind of been our North stars. How can the fans be the distribution channel? And what I mean by that is how can the fans, you know, how can you live in somebody's 10 person text conversation, right? About whether or not the warriors are going to take it this year or. Um, how can you, how can you live in a, a Slack channel in, you know, in New York when people are talking about the Rangers game on Monday night and who's going to do what and how many goals are going to be scored. And finally, and this is one of the more interesting things that we've built lately. How can you live in some of these discord servers, right? How can you live like across those conversations? And so we've built tools that enable the fans to grab these props and actually drop them into their conversations. And it, it benefits our partners, right? Because it all kind of like leads funnels back to their content. Um, but it's also fascinating from a data perspective. I can imagine. And, um, you're clearly doing a lot of very interesting things in my opinion, sort of in the fan engagement sphere. And, you know, there are a lot of other companies doing different things in fan engagement right now. It's obviously a very hot area and you touched upon a very interesting stat. Uh, I think you said 20% of fans are betters, but a hundred percent of them have an opinion, a very. I think a compelling way to think about it and frame it. I'm curious, Dan, sort of given that data point, as well as just your experience so far with pickup, do you think sports betting industry, the industry at large, are we doing enough collectively so far to bridge fans into betters? And sort of how do you assess that question right now about where we're at? Yeah, I find this to be the most fascinating part of working in this industry. It's like one of the more mature industries in the world in like the most immature environment. And so you're, you're asking a really good question. And I, I think the answer is, I'm not sure what you see a lot of is you see a lot of promos, you see a lot of ad spend, you see a lot of pushing people to, you know, the, the, the thousand dollar wager promos, right. Or better, you know, better dollar win 200, all of that stuff. I, I actually don't think that's so bad because I think what you're doing is you're using marketing to bring people into the environment and to experience sports betting. And I think it's up to the fan as to whether they believe sports betting can enhance their experience. And I, 
I, I think it, I think it does. And I think it will, and I think it'll make live baseball interesting again. And I think it, you know, I think it, it makes that sitting down at the, you know, at the bar with your buddies or at the golf course or in your text conversations, like leading into a game, when you form an opinion, you can, you can quite literally put something on that to, 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 to say, yeah, we're doing right. Or, or I was right. But I, I think because of how early it is short answer, no. It, we're we're not doing enough to bridge the gap right now. I think everybody's just trying to fight for the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Anybody that can or or would bet on sports, they're trying to get them in the door. the The key to bridging people is going to be the the second iteration of that, which is putting relevant personalized information in front of somebody at the right moment. And and I'm not saying that necessarily from our perspective, right? I was talking to a guy two days ago and. We were on a call and I noticed he kept looking to the side and I, I just kind of, it was a, a friendly and I was just like, what's going on? And he was like, well, yeah, I got a push from ESPN that Fulham was playing. And so I spun it up on the TV and I was like, he, he, he might not know. Yeah. Right. And, and like that is bringing somebody into the sport in a hyper relevant, very cool, very, you know, non-intrusive way. And I think ultimately, yeah, the organ, the, the industry is going to have to work together but that's probably not going to happen until, until it's, it's a little bit thinner of an industry until it's a little less saturated. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, given your background, building innovative digital products and being sort of at the forefront of food delivery and early days with, uh, you know, mobile devices and the iPhone in 2010, as you mentioned, it sounds like you've been at the forefront of a lot of, um, what have ended up becoming, you know, sort of mass markets, innovations that have really swept just society and culture at large. I'm just curious, have you seen any examples of what you think are just cool innovations that other companies have been working on or just examples of, of you know, very novel or innovative approaches that you've seen uh, within sports betting so far beyond, of course, what Pickup is doing? Yeah, no, I, great question. There has been so much of just the, the norm for the last few years that it feels like the things that were being worked on or have been worked on are starting to percolate to the surface. And so you're starting to see a little bit more innovation and, and fun and interesting things. I do believe there's a place for the NFT market in sports betting because, you know, I, I don't know that it's exactly defined the way that it should be today, right? Where it's just kind of like marketplaces, but there's, there's something to be said for winning coins or winning tokens through a real money wager that gets you access to an NFT drop because you earned it in an extent, to an extent. I think that's really interesting. Um, Simple bet has lately kind of popped up in, in the news again with a lot of the stuff that they're doing. They're an awesome company and a lot of the, the, the live betting pieces, uh, of that, the ability to bet, you know, pitch by pitch. I think that could be a, a fundamental and should be a fundamental shift in the way people, especially watch live sports. And so I, I think, and that's a true, like, that's a real innovation They're Like that is, that is very, 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 very innovative technology. Um, so I think, I think those two things, one being broad mass market, kind of like NFTs and and the other being the, the hyper relevant, very plugged in hitting a lot of KPIs in the sense that you're keeping somebody engaged from pitch one to, you know, pitch 106 or whatever it might be, that stuff's going to have a major impact. Yeah, absolutely. And sticking with NFTs for a second, uh, in doing some research for our conversation today, uh, I noticed on your Twitter profile, you actually had a link to another Twitter account, which I believe is a stable for a Z run. I mean, you can explain it better than I, all, all that to say, Dan, and what I'm asking is NFTs specifically, and I guess Web3 more broadly, what's your involvement been and, and what level of experience do you have sort of playing around in that ecosystem? Yeah. It, so NFTs are so fascinating. They, they can be such a, a time 
suck. And so you have to be very intentional, I, I think, about the way that you're interacting with them. The reason that I got involved in Zed in the earlier days was because the the element that really appealed to me was utility. That for you know the last couple of years has been the thing about NFTs that either struck me as a nice to have or as a need to have as opposed to a nice to have. And so when I started, you know, with with Zed and a couple of guys and I put a stable together. And, and it's, it's, it's been super interesting, right? Like I learned how to mint because we were minting these Z1 Nakamoto's and it was like, it, it, like I learned about gas fees. I learned all about it, right? In the, in that experience. And then learning about like breeding the horses or leasing them and like creating this, this amazing ecosystem. You could race them for utility, win races, win tournaments, generate true revenue um, or, or true income that you could then put back into the stable and and trying to understand like what tools could you use to understand rarity or, or or kind of like you know extra services that you could essentially either license or just tap into if they were open source to figure out where your horse should be pulled in order to to win the race or be competitive like all of that stuff scratches the itch for me right like all of that that utility component absolutely gets me excited and as the nft space has evolved now you're seeing the projects that are coming out today all have utility at the front end, right? Even like the MFers, right? Like they, they don't necessarily have utility or didn't have utility, but the utility from those is, is kind of coming up from the bottom. And, and so you're seeing that in order to be sustainable and be successful, there's gotta be a utility, a, a component associated with it. Um, I believe NFTs will play a massive part in the sports landscape going forward. Um, there's, there's a couple of ways that I've thought about it specifically. One, I think the most obvious is access, 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 right? Like my net season tickets should have been, should be an NFT. And, you know, that's that I'll, then I would always remember it instead of just kind of like, you know, maybe taking a screenshot of my SeatGeek account. <laughs> but, um, but the other part of it, and this is something we just experimented with, which was fascinating is using NFTs as a receipt. So the, the profile of, of a sports fan is a very intriguing thing to start to think about. Like how good is this person at making picks on NCAA basketball games? Or how good is this person at making picks on AL, you know, AL East game, like whatever, right? Like, like how good is this person? And um, some of those stats we were able to aggregate pretty early. And like, we have the interesting data on how effective some of these more active players are. But one thing that we just spun up was during March Madness, which, you know, this can be a whole other podcast, but I think bracketology and all that needs to be fundamentally disrupted. What we did was we did a game called, we did this thing called Game Winner. And basically what happened was uh, we created our, our own NFT art and every team that was in the tournament had a basketball with, you know, a face on it and it had the colors of the school. And for each game in each round, you would make a combination of the two basketballs, right? So you would have like North Carolina blue and like uh, a St. St. Peter's, right? Right. Sure. You would have those two together. And then there's content all about the game. The user would make a pick. They put their phone number in. If they got the pick right, we sent them an SMS that drove them through to actually get that NFT and that NFT would then live in their wallet. And so then they would have the receipt that they got the pick of that game correct. And that to me, like there's, there's so much thought that needs to go into it. But that is a fascinating utility to build up a history of your fandom based on what you thought, but you actually, you're putting your reputation on the line, not just dollars and cents and it's blockchain, it's all public. Well, I think there's a lot of problems within the sports betting landscape that will eventually be solved with blockchain technology. I think you've just uh, described a pretty interesting use case and utility for it, as you say, but uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's very early days right now, but I think it's going to be interesting to see 
the evolution of the application of blockchain technology within a sports betting context for all the many use cases that I think, uh, you know, deploying that technology would add a lot of value. So um, super interesting stuff. As you say, I think we could probably go on for another hour on this topic, but I should probably segue at this point back to pick up. And, you know, we're almost at the halfway mark of 2022, Dan, as you look forward to sort of the second half of the year, what are the major milestones you, you and the business are focused on achieving? Yeah, we're really focused on growing our, um, our our partner network right now. You know, for for so long we experimented in in the right ways and intentionally around what is the the value of this pickup experience to the user. And then over the last nine months, six months, uh, we we invested pretty heavily in the B two B technology. And so now we're really focused on working with the right leagues, working with the right broadcasters, working with the right you know even venues, which is really interesting to think about. And so one of our major milestones is absolutely, you know, growing, growing that, that partnership number up. And then, you know, what's next for us, the, it's, it's likely that we'll, we'll do another fundraise. You know, we've got some amazing investors, but it's likely that, that towards the, the end of this year, that's, that's something we'll be focused on as well. And for folks listening, if they wanted to get in touch with you or learn more about Pickup, where can you point them towards to get in touch with you? LinkedIn is probably the best. Dan Healy, CEO of Pickup, but um, you can email me at dan at playpickup.com and I'm, um, active enough on Twitter at the Daniel, the Daniel that uh, you, you can find me there as well. Awesome. It's been great having you here today, Dan. Really enjoyed learning more about Pickup and getting your thoughts on a lot of the stuff in the landscape and look forward to keeping in touch and wishing you all the best for the year ahead. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I appreciate the time.